the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Go piss. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. This is Tracy Weaver. Welcome to Prayer Life. As you can appreciate, when Joseph discovered that the young woman he was engaged to was pregnant, he was brokenhearted and gave consideration to severing the relationship. But while he was sleeping, an angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Lord God, we come before you. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more 
as you see the day approaching. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray that today's broadcast will be very helpful to you. I guarantee you it will be very challenging to you. And it may make you quite uncomfortable. But that's all right. If you've been listening to this broadcast for any length of time, I know you don't listen to be comforted. You listen to be led toward Jesus and the fullness of who he is and what he wants in your heart and your life. Now, you've heard me and you've heard Alexandra, my precious wife, talking together over the last several months about revival. And we've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that happened at Pentecost. And we've said that that same baptism is still available to us today. If it's not, then we have no power to win the lost. And it's quite evident that the church today is much more influenced by the world than it is by the Word of God. So it's very clear that something has to change, that something is wrong. I believe that what's wrong is a lack of Holy Spirit power. So we've been talking about that Holy Spirit power and presence. It has consumed my time and my energy as I have read and searched the scriptures and cried out to God and fasted and prayed because I know to reach this city of Washington, D.C., it will take men and women who have spent their time in the prayer closet and who have been <clears throat> who have been given the power of the Holy Spirit who have been endued with authority to speak to the lost. Well, I come today to say some very uncomfortable things for me. I'm guessing they'll be uncomfortable for you. If you just want a comfortable, sentimental, sweet religion, don't listen today. But if you want the truth, unvarnished, clean, kind, loving, but straight, set aside this next hour and stay with me and listen carefully. And then enter the prayer closet with what you are going to learn. And join together with Alexandra, myself, and the National Prayer Chapel as we search after Jesus. Now, what I'm going to say is just very simple. There's only one thing in the world that can hinder the Christian from walking in victorious fellowship with God and with being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's only one thing. 
It's not that God doesn't want to give the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. He does. He has promised that he is more eager to give us the Holy Spirit anointing and baptism than our parents eager to feed their children. I've watched one mother as her son, who is quite underweight, when she eats with us, with her son, she's constantly extending to him wonderful food. But he has to open his mouth and receive that food. He has to chew it and he has to swallow it. Or nothing will change for him. So today you're going to have to open your mouth, open your heart, and receive what I'm going to give you. If you want to really deal with why you have not and why I have not yet received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have no pride about this. I'm willing to talk about it and be very forthright about it because this is what has to happen for us to have the power to reach Washington, D.C. with the gospel. So I can't come on with some slick answer and convince you that I'm somebody and that you should support me because I'm somebody. I'm nobody. I'm not important in any sense to this world. Everything I desire is found in Jesus. Now I know I am treasured by Jesus, or he would not have invested all of this work and energy into making me into his likeness. Again, there is only one thing that can stop the Father from baptizing you in the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable you to walk in victorious fellowship with him and be filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. There's only one thing. That one thing is sin. In one form or another, it is sin. Now, there's only one thing in all the world that can cleanse me and you from our sin. There's only one thing that can bring us into liberty and victory. And that is the blood of Jesus Christ. All of the power of God is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see today what the scriptures say we are granted by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to see what the blood does for us. Then we're going to come back to this question of why have we not received? Why have I not received the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's because there are still things in me that rise up, that block God. We'll talk about that. So let's begin. Colossians 1.20 By the power of his blood, 
Colossians tells us peace is made between man and God. By its power there is forgiveness of sins and eternal life for all who put their faith in Jesus. Colossians 1.14 By the power of his blood, Satan is overcome. Revelation 12.11 By its power, there is continual cleansing from all sin for us. 1 John 1.7 By the power of his blood, we may be set free from the tyranny of an evil conscience in order to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14 By its infinite power with God, the most unworthy have liberty to enter the Holy of Holies the Holy of Holies of God's presence and live there all the day and not leave again. Again, therefore, brothers, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. This is what the blood of Jesus does for us. So that comes to this other question that I began to open with in this broadcast. And that is, how may we experience the full power of the blood in our lives? Because way too often, the precious blood of Jesus does not have a cleansing, peace-giving, life-giving, sin-destroying power in our hearts. And so often... We don't find ourselves in God's presence and fellowship all through the day. We may have the presence of God in our prayer closet in the morning, and then we go about our day, and the presence of God is gone from us. So, this power of the blood, how do we begin to deal with this? Why is there power in the blood? Yes, it's the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, but why? What's this power about? Well, if you look in the book of Revelation, Revelation 7, 14, the blood of Christ is described as the blood of the Lamb. Now, I want you to see this. It's not the blood of a warrior. It's not the blood of a mighty man. It is not the blood of a dragon or a wolf or a bear. It is the blood of a lamb. In other words, that which gives the precious blood its power with God for men is the lamb-like disposition of the one who shed it and of which it is the supreme expression of that lamb or that person. The title, the lamb, is so frequently given to the Lord Jesus in Scripture. It first describes his work. 
Now, we all know that Jesus was the Lamb of God, that he was a sacrifice for our sins. Now, this may not make sense to you, but let me try to make it plain. Jesus did not make an atonement on the cross. Jesus was the atonement on the cross. In himself, Jesus was the atonement. It's not something that the Roman soldiers and the Jewish leaders did to Jesus. It was something that Jesus did on the cross. He offered himself as the Lamb of God because he was the Lamb of God. Remember when a, an Israelite, a Jewish person, wanted to get right with God, it was the blood of a lamb. Sometimes, sometimes it was the blood of a goat, but usually it was the blood of a lamb. It had to be shed and sprinkled on the altar. Jesus is the divine fulfillment of all of those lambs that men offered through those many centuries the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Gospel of John, first chapter, verse 29. But the title, the Lamb, has a much deeper meaning. It describes his character. It describes his essence. Jesus did not just come and offer himself as a lamb, Jesus came as a lamb and offered himself on our behalf. He is the lamb. He is meek and lowly in heart. Matthew 11:29. He is gentle and unresisting and all the time surrendering his own will to the Father for the blessing and saving of mankind. Anyone but the Lamb would have resented and resisted the treatment men gave him. But he, in obedience to the Father and out of great love for us, did not resist. He offered himself as the atonement. Did, men did what they wanted to do to him. And he yielded to that. When he was reviled, he did not revile them back. When he suffered, he did not threaten them. He did not stand up for his own rights. There was no hitting back. There was no resentment, no complaining. How different from us. And I have struggled so much this week with this issue. When something doesn't go the way I want it to go, my first go-to response is irritation. Irritation that somebody didn't fix it. Irritation that somebody messed up. Irritation that I didn't take care of it when I should have. Irritation. Disgust. That was never the response that Jesus came with. Irritation is sin. Irritation and striking back and judging, those are sins. When my heart is filled with anger, because irritation is just another 
cop-out word for anger. When my heart is filled with anger, it's revealing something about my very nature, that there is a defensiveness in my soul. There is a, a self-justification in my heart. I don't like that. And I've all week been crying out to God and saying, Lord, I don't want this in my heart. I renounce it in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to utterly remove from me all irritation, anger, hostility. I don't want it. I am totally at the mercy of the mighty God of heaven. I will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give to me. He asked me many years ago when he totally changed the direction of my life. He said, will you receive from my hand only that which I give you? And I answered, yes. But many times I was not satisfied with what Jesus would give me. And so I entered into my own schemes, into my own ways of circumventing my painful circumstances. And I settled for myself what I wanted. Jesus never did that. When the Father's will and the malice of men pointed to the cross at Calvary. The Lamb of God meekly bowed his head in willingness for that too. It was as the Lamb that Isaiah saw him when he prophesied, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, verse 7. The scourging, the scoffing, the spitting, the slapping, the punching, the hair being plucked out of his cheeks, that last weary march up the hill, the nailing and the lifting up and the piercing of his side and the flowing of his blood. None of these things would ever have been had he not been the lamb. A lion would not have put up with it. A bear would not have tolerated it. A warrior would have pulled his sword and gone after him. The Lamb of God submitted, humbled his heart, and he did so in order to pay the price for my sin and for yours. So he's not merely the Lamb because he died on the cross, but he died upon the cross because he is the Lamb. say that again. Jesus died on the cross not merely because he decided to take on the lamb. He died on the cross because he was the lamb. He was the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So It's not for me to ask Jesus to give to me the presence and baptism and power of the Holy Spirit 
so that I can go and do the work of the gospel. No, I want to do the work of the gospel, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that essentially changes my very nature. It's something that I become, not put on. If you put it on, you can take it off. No. God wants to make us into something beautiful in his hands. And then he wants to use us as we are with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now again, the only reason I am not filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is because of sin. Now, if we define sin simply as a conscious rebellion against God, I have no conscious rebellion against Jesus. This is something much deeper. This is actually getting at who I am, my very nature. And it's this old nature that has to go utterly, totally, and completely to the cross as it is identified by the Holy Spirit. When the irritation rises up, that irritation has to be immediately, and this is what I'm doing, I'm immediately repenting of that and giving it fully into the hands of Jesus and asking to be utterly, totally, and completely changed and made into the Lamb of God. See, Jesus is the Lamb of God. But he wants us to become like him. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Philippians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is a lamb. Not a wolf. Not an angry, ravenous dog. To make of you a lamb. Not someone who is bitter and angry and hostile. Not someone who is self righteous and filled with pride. Not someone who will cut others off and dismiss them as being nothing. Not as a person who will believe lies about a brother or a sister and never talk with them but just cut them off. That's sin. Please, that's sin. The Holy Spirit wants to deal with that in my heart and in your heart. He doesn't want us to walk that way. I want you to see this, this disposition of the lamb in the blood. Every mention of the blood of Jesus should call to mind the deep humility and self-surrender of the Lamb of God. For it is this disposition that gives the blood its wonderful power with God. Hebrews 9.14 forever links the blood of Jesus with his self-offering to God. King James Version how much more shall the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. And it is this fact that bestows upon it its power with God for men. If Jesus had rebelled in the garden, remember he was praying, take this cup from me. Now there's argument about what was that cup? Whatever it was, the only prayer that Jesus could offer is thy will, not my will. The only prayer he could offer was the prayer of the Lamb because that's who he was. He was the Lamb of God. Humility, lamb-likeness, the surrender of our wills to God are what he's looking for supremely with you and with me. This was why he created Adam and Eve in the beginning. He wanted those companions like himself. He wanted to create for himself a wife. But they refused to walk this path. And that was their sin. And it's been the heart of sin ever since. It was to bring this disposition, this character of the Lamb back to earth that Jesus came. It was simply because the Father saw this in him that he could say, My Son in whom I am well pleased. He would not have been able to say that to Jesus if he had taken the position of a warrior, of a killer. Jesus never took that position. It was because the shedding of his blood so supremely expressed his disposition that it's so totally, completely precious to God. And it's available to you and me to take away our sin. Now we come to this most difficult question. How can we experience the full power of God in our lives? Well, when we look at the Lamb bowing his head for us on Calvary, we get our answer. Only by being willing to have the same disposition that ruled him and by bending our necks in humility as he bowed his. Just as it is the disposition of the lamb that bestows upon the blood its power, so it is only as we are willing to be partakers of the same disposition of the lamb that we shall know its full power in our lives. And we may then be partakers of his, of his disposition. For when he died on Calvary, he was willing to make us righteous by his death. And all the fruit of the Spirit then could begin to grow in us. Love, joy, peace. You know this from Galatians, the fifth chapter. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. These are all the expressions of a lamb-like nature. 
This is who Jesus was. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with. So if you want the Holy Spirit to fill you with with power, that power is going to have to flow through love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what he produces in the heart and the life of a man or woman who is willing to bow their head and acknowledge their wolf nature and turn away from that and say, Jesus, do you see? Not hiding from him, but coming close to him and saying, Jesus, do you see what I've done? Do you see what rises up in my heart? Lord, break this in my heart. Remove it from me by the power of your blood. Make me into a new man, Holy Spirit. Jesus, though exalted to the throne of God, is still in revelation. The Lamb of God. He's on a throne. It says he he looks as though he's been slain from the foundation of the earth. Jesus wants to reproduce himself in us. He doesn't want weak people. I'm not talking about weakness. Jesus was never a weak man. He was a mighty man. He was a strong man. He was a strong person. He was not afraid to stand and let them do whatever they wanted to do. He didn't run. He was not a a whiner. He was not a a wimp. He was courageous and strong and bold, but not with a wolf nature, but with a lamb nature. So I have to ask you a question. Are you willing for Jesus to make you into a lamb? I've had to answer that question. Most of my life I have said, yes, I'll serve you, Jesus. And I've seen that service as boldly going forward and preaching the gospel and building the church and doing great things for God. And he's taught me that's not what he wants. Instead, he wants to create a new kind of church not a church that's centered in entertainment and falsehood. Not a church that is structured around ritual. He wants a church that is a people, lamb-like in nature, who will stand like a rock against the powers of darkness and not give in to them. A church that will rise up victorious and faithful to a holy and mighty God. There's a hard truth that we have to face. That all of us were born with a very flint-like, hard, unyielding self. Where we were looking out 
for ourselves for number one, which stands up for itself, that resists others. But that disposition, it has to be changed. So he's looking for a church where there will be love and compassion and mercy, where pride will not be tolerated, where selfishness will not enter in, where we will lay our lives down for one another. That hard, unyielding self has to be turned into humility and lowliness of heart. We must receive the disposition of the Lamb of God if the precious blood of Jesus is to reach us in cleansing power. We can pray long to be cleansed from some sin, alcoholism, tobacco, a sex addiction, uh, addiction, pothead. We can pray forever about our anger and our bitterness. But unless we're willing to be broken at exactly the point in question, the point the Holy Spirit is bringing to us, unless we're willing to yield on that point, we cannot be made a partaker of the Lamb's humility. And nothing will happen. And and day after day, month after month, year after year, we'll continue until we finally give up and say, well, this is as good as it gets. I guess this is who I am. God, you're just going to have to accept me the way I am because I can't change. Wrong. You're not willing to give on that one point that he's calling you to, to yield on. What point is God calling you today to yield on? What has he been convicting you on and saying, don't go there again. Don't say that anymore. Don't walk like that anymore. What has he been trying to deal with you on? Every sin that we commit is the result of a hard, unbroken self taking up an attitude of pride And we can find no peace through the blood of Jesus until we are willing to see the source of every sin and by the blood of Jesus have that attitude completely changed with specific repentance. And to do that will always mean humbling our hearts. You want the power of the Holy Spirit You want the baptism of Pentecost? Then the wolf nature has to be removed from you and you have to become the Lamb of God. You have to come to terms with that hard, unyielding resistance and defensiveness for your position and your place and your gifts and your talents. This is what I'm going to do. Really? You'll live your whole life and you'll get to the end and you'll say, what have I done? I haven't done anything. Oh, I had worldly success maybe and I made lots of money maybe. I was fawned on by people maybe. But in that which
which truly counts will be empty. Now, we can't make ourselves feel the humility of Jesus. We don't need to try to make ourselves feel something. All we have to do is walk in the light that the Holy Spirit is bringing to our hearts as he reveals that irritation that rises in your heart, that impatience that rises in your heart. going to have to turn that over to Jesus and ask that the blood of Jesus wash it out of you. And then there are going to be costly acts of, of repentance and surrender over what perhaps others would consider, and maybe you consider, something very small and trivial. But the importance cannot be gauged by what it costs for others, it is what it costs us to do it, to admit it. He may show us a confession that needs to be made to someone who has wronged us. You say, wait a minute, he wronged me. Yes, but what was my response to his wrong? Was it irritation and anger and bitterness? then I need to deal with that response to his wickedness. The Holy Spirit may ask us to give in or yield on some right that we demand. Jesus had no rights. Are we better than Jesus? The Holy Spirit may show us that we must deal with every part of our sin, every part of our heart. He may call us to be open with our friends that they may know us as we really are and thus be able to have true fellowship with us. You see, we're called to walk in the light, not in the darkness. The light is transparency. People have said to me, Pastor, the National Prayer Chapel is not a safe church. Well, why was it not a safe church at that point? Because people were hidden away in darkness and sin. It's very humiliating, and it's a complete reversal of our normal attitudes of pride and selfishness. But we have to walk out into the light and become partakers of the humility of the Lamb of God. As we're willing to do this with every issue of our heart, the blood of the Lamb of God will cleanse us from all of our sin and we'll walk with God in white with his peace in our hearts. Now, what I'm saying to you today is not a matter of you digging around in your heart to try to find out, whoa, wait a minute, better examine my belly button. What's going on with my heart? No, it's a matter of going to Jesus and asking him, would you please reveal how I am acting in a way that is contrary to your lamb likeness? 
will you point it out to me? Will you show me? And then after he points it out to me and after he shows me, he does not ask me to then white-knuckle some desperate struggle against this hidden sin. Instead, he says, will you just confess it? Will you offer it to me? Will you confess your sin before me? Will you admit that this is who you are? And will you ask me to change you? And I will change you. Now, there are still things in my character that have to be changed before the Holy Spirit's going to come in power. I know that or he would have already come. So it causes me to be even more watchful and more sober that any indication of the Holy Spirit that I'm beginning to walk in a way that is contrary to the will of Jesus, I would be very sensitive to that and would stop right there on the spot and instantly deal with that issue. Whatever, no matter how trivial. I want to look to Jesus. I want to be filled with the spirit of the living God. I don't want to walk in darkness. You know, we've all become so used to condemning the proud, self-righteous attitude of the Pharisee in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican that we can hardly believe that the picture of him there just might apply to me, to us which only shows how much like the Pharisee we really are. We'll not understand the real wrong of the Pharisee's attitude, nor of our own, unless we view it against the backdrop of what God says about the human heart. Jesus said, from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, coveting, wickedness, deceit, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. It's in Mark seven twenty one through 22. The same dark picture of the human heart is given us in Paul's letter to the Galatians. The works of the flesh, quote, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variances, wrath, strife, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelers. What a picture. Jeremiah has the same witness that the heart is deceitful above all things desperately wicked who can know it so this is God's picture of the human heart the fallen self the old man as the scripture calls it whether it be in the unconverted or in the keenest Christian it is hard to believe that these things can proceed from the heart of ministers, evangelists, and Christian workers, but it is true. 
The simple truth is that the only beautiful thing about the Christian is Jesus Christ. God wants us to recognize that fact as true in our experience so that in true brokenness and self-despair, we shall allow Jesus Christ to be our righteousness and holiness in everything. That is the victory. So today, how do you stack up? Are you a lamb of God? Are you a wolf, a warrior? Are there issues in your life that you've been unwilling to deal with or that you've been unconscious of and as the Holy Spirit raises them, you quickly race by and don't want to deal with them because you're protecting yourself and your rights? It's time to lay down our rights. It's time to lay down our pride and become like Jesus. And the astonishing gift of Calvary is that Jesus is now willing to make us innocent. That's what the word justify means, to be made innocent, to be made righteous. It's not imputed righteousness. It is imparted righteousness. It is to be made literally righteous before God. Well, we're almost out of time for the broadcast today. I would love to hear from you. If you want this broadcast to stay on the air, would you participate with me in this giving of gifts and giving God the offerings due his mighty name? Will you support this radio broadcast as the Holy Spirit prompts you? Some of you can give $10. Some of you could give $10,000. As we come to the end of this year, I am praying and crying out to God that we could go to the FM side of the dial because it's a much larger possibility there for people to hear the gospel. But I am totally submitted to what Jesus wants. Some of you could give very large sums of money and very quickly we could transition to that FM side of the dial. Some of you can give $100 or $50. And I'm very grateful today for the two who gave last night out of what they had. They gave their offering of $140 and $150 on PayPal. You can give on PayPal. Just go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'm very grateful for these two precious believers who gave. If you'd like to give and you'd like to write to me, please, I'd like to hear from you, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. That's Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. 
the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, the money that you give will support this Christian broadcast. We're a very small organization, but we stand by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can listen to this broadcast again by going this evening to nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll see there are a number of broadcasts available. There's a huge number. And you're welcome to go there and, and listen and learn and grow. Or you're welcome to call me and let's talk about whether you should be a part of the National Prayer Chapel. Today's broadcast is a pretty clear indication of who we are and what we do. We are earnestly seeking the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we are earnestly seeking to learn how to bring the lost to Jesus, and we are earnestly reaching out to help the poor. Right now we have a GoFundMe project that is being used to raise finances for a new believer who needs legal aid to help her win a case with the father of a child who is not a Christian. The little boy needs to come home. So we're reaching to the poor. We're reaching to the lost. We're reaching to you. Will you reach to us today? You can call me at 703 489-1785 that number again 703-489-1785 make the decision go all out to become the Lamb of God you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel God bless you I love you Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.